Yeah, it really came about because we, you know, clinicians were burning out. Uh, and, you know, we know that even before the pandemic, it, it was an epidemic, right? Where clinicians were uh, burning out, people were leaving practice, retiring early, um, having significant issues with, you know, maintaining their practices. And so, you know, we had to find a way to help out. Um, and when you look at um, what clinicians sort of go through, there's a lot of administrative processes. You know, 40% of time or more is taken up on just administrative work. Um, and looking at other industries, they've been able to figure out ways to do that, a ways to automate certain things, to reduce administrative burden. And so that really spurred me to say, yeah, we can do that in healthcare too. Like there, there are a lot of repetitive routine processes that we do that are not value add for patient care. So can we do something to so sort this out? So you've built an amazing health tech product. Now what? Procurement, that's the key. My name is Jeff and this is How It's Med, the podcast where we chat with people shaping the future of healthcare and health tech. On this podcast, we chat with founders, funders, innovators, and so many more so that you too can learn the stories, secrets, and skills that drive the innovation that is moving our healthcare sector forward today. This time around, we rejoin a conversation with Dr. Mohamed Alarakia, the Managing Director of the eHealth Center of Excellence. Last time, we chatted a little bit about Dr. Alarakia's journey into health tech and procurement. And this time around, we learn more about what procurement is, the role of physicians in this process, as well as what Dr. Alarakia is doing in order to solve burnout in the physician office. Let's get started. But how much of the process of what you do uh, at the eHealth Center of Excellence is actually getting the tech into the hands of physicians? Because I understand that that in itself is a hard process as well, at least in Canada. Yeah, that's the, that is the majority of what we do. I mean, okay. we, we, we look at, you know, um, you know, we do procurements on behalf of government where we put things out to uh, look at, you know, what uh, we look at a problem first, like what is the problem that we need to solve? Um, you know, an example would be like messaging between providers. How do you support uh, communication between clinical teams? And then you would go out to the field and really look at, uh, well, what's out there? You know, what are the different things out there? And I think it's really important for us to do it in a way that startups are part of that, right? Often they are not part of these procurements because there's uh, they're extremely complex and they don't have the the capability to do that. So when we've done procurements, we've made sure that we included the startup community in it, uh, got their feedback um, and um, made it easy for them to participate while meeting the 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 criteria and the requirements. And you know it um, I think it's yielded great results. Um, and we've been able, therefore, to launch and do some projects which, you know, we've had startups participate who've been really nimble and really able to meet the needs of, of clinicians. So I think that's an area, too, where there's more work to be done and a greater opportunity. Startups often go, unfortunately, south of the border uh, yeah. with, with what they do, and, and we need more of them to, uh, to help our own healthcare system. So you you mentioned a little there as to the as to why you involve startups early in the process of solving problems so that they in themselves can find a good product market fit. But in really simple words, can you identify the specific issues that make procurement so difficult in Canada, or at least in your experience? Yeah. So it's often like a you know when you, when procure, typical procurements are put out, you know, there's like three thousand requirements for uh, a procurement that are put out. And you think about a startup that's trying to solve a problem, you know, Wait, trying to... Is 3,000 exaggeration or is it actually 3,000? For different systems, it is 3,000. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, and, and those are more complex systems, but even for more simple things, like, you know, there, there are, there are so many requirements that technology companies have to meet, you know, and there's, there's a criteria around how much sort of financial stability, uh, the companies have, uh, there's a, it's a, it's a long process to go through procurements could take like nine months. And if you think about a startup and the capability, like they're just trying to develop a product, they're trying yeah. to get some things out to market. They're trying to test things out and iterate, um, you know, spending nine months in a process to just try to get the foot in the door is probably is not a priority. And so, uh, you know, we have made it hard for the startup community to participate. And so there are ways around this. There's, there's something called an innovation procurement approach where you are really looking at essentially forming a partnership with the successful company to develop a product over time. You're really looking at outcomes. I want to improve wait times for patients. You're not saying I need you know, a system that does X, Y, and Z, right? It needs to like transition data here to there. It needs to have, you know, a messaging piece built in. It needs to have, um, you know, this data piece built in. You're saying, I have to solve this problem, wait times. And you put, you put that out there and say, who is the best to solve that? What are, what are the creative ideas that you have to actually solve that? And, you know, what do you have right now that we can leverage? And how do we develop that over time? And then you um, you go through this, the procurement steps, the, the, you know, the similar steps to what you would typically do. Um, but at the end of the day, you form a partnership with the vendor where you're, you are collectively solving a problem together, uh, and where the product will evolve over, over time to meet a complex healthcare, uh, problem. We, we know actually for a lot of complex problems, there's no one technology that can do it all. And so this is a, a process by which over time you will have technology or technologies that's that solve uh you know multiple problems mm -hmm. so so to place this in an analogous context i'm going to simplify a little correct me if i'm wrong so mm -hmm. say we'll draw the analogy between physicians offices and uh for example an office that wants to order pizzas um so essentially what you're doing is with procurement you're putting the call out there uh, for different stores to make the pizza the way that you want it and you're essentially trying to figure out which one is the best match, which you'll keep buying pizzas from for your office, correct? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a great a great way to do it. Or you want a delivery service and, and people will deliver things in different ways, right? Someone might say, we're going to deliver with a drone. Other people will have, you know, um, uh, drivers on hire. Others will have a regular service that comes. Um, and so people can propose different ways with getting the pizza uh, to your office. And then you would pick the one that you, you know, that meets the criteria of getting it, the pizza in a timely way with the right toppings, um, you know, to, to your door. So yeah, that's exactly it. And so instead of saying, you know, we need, um, you know, this type of driver and this type of box and this type, you know, you're, you're actually just saying, I need a pizza and can you deliver it to me? Yeah, that's fair enough. So what is your favorite kind of pizza? I like the, I like sort of veg vegetarian sort of toppings. So I would just sort of say more of a vegetarian pizza and, and I don't mind, uh, I know this is controversial, but pineapple, uh, as well as Hawaiian pizza. So I know, I know, I know probably, probably we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. You know, it is a Canadian invention actually, right? Uh, oh, as you, oh. As you, it is, oh. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Wow. That, that, that's kind of weird. Hawaiian pizza Canadian. Anyway. Um, so. You, you do also some other really interesting things at the eHealth uh, Center of Excellence, such as making bots that I mentioned previously um, at the intro to this episode. So tell me more about that work and how that came about. 
Yeah, it really came about because we, you know, clinicians were burning out. Uh, and, you know, we know that, that even before the pandemic, it, it was an epidemic, right? Where clinicians were uh, burning out, people were leaving practice, retiring early, um, having significant issues with, you know, maintaining their practices. And so, you know, we had to find a way to help out. Um, and when you look at um, what clinicians sort of go through, there's a lot of administrative processes. You know, 40% of time or more is taken up on just administrative work. Um, and looking at other industries, they've been able to figure out ways to do that, a ways to automate certain things, to reduce administrative burden. And so that really spurred me to say, yeah, we can do that in healthcare too. Like there, there are a lot of repetitive routine processes that we do that are not value at patient care. So can we do something to so sort this out? And, you know, there's a lot going on about, uh, automation, artificial intelligence, um, in the environment. And so really understanding that there are some opportunities there, other industries, um, you know, insurance, aviation have used automation to help with the process. When you, when you go to check in for a flight, you know, that a lot of that's automation software that's actually figuring it out and, and processing, um, that, and, you know, in the, the aviation industry has found out how to communicate between disparate systems and disparate airlines and, and things. And so, you know, in, in healthcare, we have an opportunity to leverage the same technology. So. You know, we did same similar with, um, you know, what I said before is we did a proof of concept to really look at can, uh, bots. So these are software programs, repetitive routine, uh, uh, that do repetitive routine processes. Uh, they're not walking, talking bots, but, uh, programs, uh, that, you know, software programs that work 24 seven, they don't take coffee breaks. They don't complain unless you want them to. Um, and so, uh, we, we deployed, uh, some bots to really help with a few different things like sharing of information, uh, between systems and improving data so that uh, electronic medical records can use the data for uh, reminding patients or tracking patients. Uh, and we saw that there was tremendous value uh, in that. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it supported clinicians in their workflow. Uh, they took on some of the burden that clinicians had. Um, and so we started with that. And, and now the, we have a bot family, really, that's, uh, that's doing a number of tasks for clinicians. Okay, but but here's a real kicker. Tell us about the names of those bots yeah, and the functions. Yeah. So this is the this is the fun part. Yeah. So you know why not have fun when you're when you're doing doing this work? And so our bot family includes Cody. Uh, Cody is a bot that goes into the medical record and codes diagnoses, and that's important because then you can automate functions and flag patients who have heart failure, depression, chronic kidney disease, um, and so really important foundational uh, piece in terms of. Uh, you know, getting the data that you need. And, you know, in primary care, there, there are, you don't have coders who actually standardize data. So the bots actually are able to, to do that. Uh, we have Bernie, the bot, uh, Bernie burns out. So, uh, clinicians, physicians don't, uh, don't have to. Um, and so, uh, Bernie does things like in COVID, Bernie has been documenting COVID vaccines. Uh, it saved one clinic 87 hours of time, uh, wow. documenting COVID vaccines. Um, and so really, you know, these are the tasks that we should get automation uh, to do. And so Bernie's, you know, doing a lot of other things uh, and burning out like uh, preventative care, looking at test follow-up. So, you know, if you order a lab test, have you completed a lab test, which is a college requirement? Uh, and so Bernie is, is uh, looking to follow uh, that up. And then we have Sharon um, and Sharon shares data amongst uh, disparate information systems. And so Sharon is uh, working on uh, uh, sharing data between primary care and home care as a start. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, that's a big problem as we look at sort of moving forward, uh, patients have to repeat their story multiple times. And so if we can use these bots to 
you know, essentially transfer information between one system and another, like swivel chair tasks. If, if someone is re-entering information into another information system, bots can very easily, you know, copy and paste that information and put it in the right spot. So as a physician, you have the information there at your fingertips in your system and you're able to add to it. And when you add to it, you know, in this case, the home care system would get updated with that information. Yeah. So Sharon has been, you know, um, you know, developed to, to do, uh, to do that. So that's our family so far. And we're, we're really looking at, uh, you know, other opportunities to expand the family. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we grow quite fond of these bots, the, the clinicians who we saved, uh, time, the 87 hours, uh, they, they were, they wanted to hug the bots, um, <laughs> because they, they, they were so impactful. So, I mean, it seems like these tools are developed because you've identified specific needs as a physician and within the physician community. How involved are physicians in the procurement process or were they before? Yeah, absolutely. So they, ha and this is the, this is the going back to why I got into this space is that because is because physicians weren't involved uh, in these decisions mm -hmm. and they weren't involved in making uh, the calls in terms of what would be valuable or not. So physicians, uh, clinicians, patients are part of the procurement process. They're part of the definition of the problem, what outcomes we want, and then uh, the evaluation piece, and then the ongoing iteration, right? None of these things are, is perfect. You need to um, have clinicians uh, review these things and make sure that they're working, they're actually working for them. So we have clinical advisors uh, that uh, at the Health Center of Excellence that really dig into these things, uh, evaluate these things and make sure they're, they're working. That voice is absolutely key through the whole process. That co-design, uh, is absolutely, uh, important because, you know, you, we don't want technology to, to cause more burnout. And that's actually, uh, you know, part of the challenge is that electronic medical records are fantastic. You know, clinicians would never go back to paper, but they do add more administrative tasks. Um, and so. Uh, you know, these bots actually are able to sort of take those tasks off uh, a clinician's pl a plate because clinicians have defined where the problems are and, and where they need help. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I, I guess if you were to sell a clinician on the idea of becoming involved in these processes, like how would you pitch it to them? Say that they say that I'm in an elevator with you. Give me a 30 second pitch as to why you should get involved. Yeah. So I, I just like. What, what keeps you up at night or what, what is keeping you longer at clinic? You know, it, you know, if I would have a discussion about, you know, what time did you end your day yesterday? What time did you get home to, uh, you know, your family? And it really is, we can help with that, right? You know, for, we can take, you know, 30% of the work that you're doing, we can take off your plate. Does that sound good? Um, and I think most people would agree that, uh, that would be good. We, we, we can help you. Um, have more time to look after your patients. We can help you get home earlier so that you can be with your family. Um, that's really what it's about. Um, you know, you don't need to do the repetitive routine tasks because automation can can do it. We're all used to, um, you know, these virtual assistants on our phones um, and we're all used to getting suggestions for what next to purchase or what, uh, maybe what next topping to get on your pizza, maybe not pineapple for you. Um, but, but, uh, you know, we're used to it in our other lives. So why not in, why not in healthcare? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in your point of view, what's the future of procurement in Canada? I mean, from my limited knowledge, I know in the States that they have different, uh, I, I guess healthcare authorities, they have different companies, which administer a certain region. 
But I mean, we've got a similar thing here, except it's, you know, federally or provincially administered. So what's the future in terms of uh, collaboration or different processes that you can see that perhaps I or the listeners can't? Yeah. So I think, you know, we need to define what are the key problems we need to solve in healthcare, that we need to have these open procurement processes where uh, startups and scale-ups can participate to solve these problems. And we need to make it the norm that we do these innovation procurements. Like that has to be the way that we move forward so that we include the startup community in in these procurements. And then we need to hold ourselves accountable for the, the outcomes, right? We, we need to make things better. And, and have we made things better? Uh, and I'm, you know, what I've seen is that if we take this more innovative approach, then we have a higher chance of, su- of succeeding because we're uh, evolving things over time. So as our healthcare system looks to integrate care, uh, you know, get providers together, um, you know, solve the problems coming out of the, during the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic, we need to take this more innovative approach with involving the, you know, the startup community uh, within this. And so what I, what I hope people will see is um, more procurements where uh, companies can participate that are smaller, where there is a clear path towards scale and spread, right? It's, you know, it's good to do a proof of concept, but then you need to be able to scale and spread. And so we need to set that as a standard. And I think we need to, to, to state that, that that is the standard that we are going to um, put things out there, uh, engage uh, our, our startups within that. And then if they are successful, we're going to support their scale and spread. So, I mean, I think that's a wonderful vision in terms of being able to work with Canadian grown startups and patients to make sure that uh, alongside clinicians, we're able to identify the best possible solutions to the, to the needs at hand. But what pushback do you see coming and perhaps how can we mitigate these headwinds? Yeah. So, you know, I think that there is, you know, it's hard to change sort of a culture, uh, where we've been very risk adverse, um, to, uh, trying things out, to engaging, you know, in, in public private partnerships. Uh, and you know, what I think is that we've seen during the pandemic though, that we can do it, that we've had, you know, crises in healthcare that we need to solve and we've solved them and we've done it like in some cases, like overnight in some yeah. cases in a matter of just weeks, right? Versus, you know, a nine month sort of procurement, um, which at the end of the day, like you, you, you exclude a lot of companies that should, should participate in it. So, you know, healthcare is in a crisis in many different, um, areas. If you think about wait times, if you think about mental health and addictions, if you think about frail elderly and, and people sort of trying to stay in the home, um, we need to say, you know, we need to solve these crises the same way that we have, um, you know, uh, worked on sort of managing the COVID uh, pandemic. And if we can say that, that we have the same amount of commitment to solving these things, um, then I think, you know, uh, I I think we'll be in a good state to move forward in in, in some of the more nimble ways. And, you know, they need to be transparent. They're going to, they need to be fair, but I think we need, we need a burning platform to actually move forward and do this because we, you know, we can struggle along and do the same things that we've, we've done. uh, But, you know, we're going to be spending more money. We're going to be not getting as good outcomes, uh, and we're and and you know providers and patients won't have the time with with each other because we're managing all these other uh, other things. So uh, I think it behooves us to really look at us in in a continue in the crisis state, not not for the sake of sort of uh, burning people out, but that we we do have big healthcare problems that we need to solve, and we need to do it in in the near term. Mm-hmm. And just one last question here. 
Um, a lot of the tech that you've worked on is, is generally applicable to physicians' offices, managing burnout, managing these tasks that are repetitive and take quite a bit of time. But I mean, a lot of med tech that is known is uh, known for med devices, for example, as well as uh, perhaps pharmaceuticals. So where does this fit into this idea of involving startups in the procurement process? Does that blend over very well or is your model only applicable for generalized tools that can be used by many physicians? No, I think, I think it's very similar. Um, you know, there's a lot of work on remote monitoring that happened during the pandemic where devices were sort of given to patients and they could sort of monitor their symptoms for COVID or heart failure. And, and so I think there's a similar opportunity, uh, for those things. Um, I think, um, you know, it's within the, the we're really looking at a system of care mm -hmm. and that system of care needs, you know, software to help share data and communicate. It needs hardware to capture data. I think the, the benefit is, you know, a lot of hardware is already out there in terms of smartphones that we can sort of leverage that people are, are, have, but the devices are so, are so important because we are, we're able to then sort of capture validated uh, in a, in a, uh, data and, and then leverage that data, you know, to help with self self-management for patients to, um, you know, really look at decreasing the number of patients that go to hospital and, and more complex, higher cost settings, uh, you know, devices are, are really the key to that. Mm -hmm. Um, so usually at the end of the podcast, we give our, uh, guests a chance to plug their pluggables. So Mohammed, do you know what time it is? It's time to get to work. Yes. It's also time for, uh, time, time for you to plug your pluggables. So. What do you want to plug? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I think that patient provider relationship is so key. And I, yeah. I think that, you know, we need to move forward in that. That's what the eHealth Center of Excellence uh, is doing. Um, and so I'd encourage people to visit our website, ehealthce.ca, uh, at ehealthce on, on Twitter and other social media. Um, you know, follow us. Really, you know, we'd like to engage in a conversation with you, clinician, patient, system stakeholder. Uh, we're here to, to support transformation healthcare system. This is a time like no other for us to do that, but it's going to be through engagement with people that we, that we do that. So, you know, I, you know, this has been fantastic to talk about these things, but really it's the start of the conversation. As I said, we need to get to work and do, and do more things because there's so much more that we can do to make the patient and the, the clinician experience better. You, you really know how to sell a call to action. Um. All right, and you can find How It's Med at, at How It's Med on all the socials, as well as howitsmed.com. Thank you, until next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of How It's Med. If you liked what you heard, the best way to support us is to go to your podcast platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you like, and to give us a rating and a recommendation or a comment so that others can best find us. If you can't do that, then we'd really appreciate it if you could share your favorite episode with those that you care about and who you think would find our work interesting. Till next time.